All right, I got a question. On a scale of one to ten, how how big of a sinner are you? All right, just think about it for a second. Scale of one to ten, how big of a sinner are you? Get your number in your head. We're going to say it on the count of three. Ready? Okay, so some of you took off your shoes. Now, I... I think um, one of the things that we do, and now none of us would give ourselves a number, and none of us would be so uh, uh, jerkish to give someone else a number, but we still kind of live, at least when it comes to sin, in a scale of 1 to 10 world. We don't know what our number is, but we're pretty sure we know who's worse than us. We're pretty sure we know who's uh, who's better than us, although we really don't think about that all that much. Uh, but it's, it's just hard not to compare and contrast. It's, not, it's hard not to think at times, well, I'm just a 10 and feel awful and feel like everyone else has got it all together and I just don't. And it's also hard not to feel like um, you're, you're, pretty, you're having a pretty good day. I feel pretty superior to the other people around me. That's difficult maybe for some too. It's just really hard not to, when you notice one thing, and then not to compare yourself to that thing. I was uh, performing a wedding at a, in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and the uh, the groom it was a um, is an, works on oil rigs all around the world, but he's this really southern cowboy, you know, and he, he talks about like this, you know, and he says that uh, he he'll say yeah the they they can hardly understand me when I'm speaking Mandarin. You know that, chi uh, chow be. You know I don't know how he would sound. But as I was doing the vows, there's come there comes a times when you have to I say repeat after me. So I would say a sentence, and then he would say the same sentence, and I started to get self conscious because I'm like to have and to hold, and he's like to have and to hold. <laughs> I was slowly lowering my voice throughout, from this day forth, from this day forth. I, I just was so panicky about, I just, I'm glad it wasn't videoed because there was such a contrast between my cartoon voice and his real human voice. And it just wasn't, it, it, it didn't make me feel very good. And sometimes coming, coming to church can make you feel that way. You come to church and you, fe- you feel pretty down about yourself. You feel like you are on a scale of 1 to 10. I'm a 9 if not a 10. And everyone else seems to have it all together. You may feel like you're just the worst. And... If you were, when I said, let's say your number, if you were excited to yell your low number, um, you're, 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 you're lying to yourself. We, we have these extremes that we go to, and, and the, the question is, how, how, how do we get over that? How do we get over our, our, our ten sins? Or seven sins. Or four sins. Now, all of you are sitting there saying the church answers. Maybe in your head. Because we have church answers. If you've ever taught a Bible class, you know there's kids that have 
church answers. The, one of my favorite jokes is there was a Sunday school class. The teacher said, okay, what is um, small, gray, uh, uh, lives in trees, and has a, f- uh, a f- big fuzzy tail, big furry tail? And the kid, one kid raises his hand and says, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. That, that's how sometimes we operate. I'll say, I'll say there's scales of sin. And you say, well, no, you know, the Bible says it all sins. You don't live that way. Quit pretending you do. Because if you, if you don't live that way and pretend that you do, you're never going to be able to overcome the way you actually do live. So, so notice where you are. We live in a sliding scale of sins. And sometimes we notice people worse than us, and sometimes we notice people better than us, and we move up and down that scale. Paul even says in um, 1 Timothy, and you you may have to open your Bibles. I don't know what it's going to look like up there. Let's see if my clicker's working. And it's not. Let's see now. No, could you progress it to 1 Timothy there? And I'll just say next slide from here on out. In 1 Timothy 1, he says, uh, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Next slide. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14 says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, in verse 15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He, he says, he poured out his grace abundantly onto me, and he came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The Apostle Paul thinks that he was the worst sinner. Believed it. He was a, an awful human being. He, 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 he went around from town to town tracking down Christians or people who followed Jesus, claimed that Jesus was the Messiah, and had them thrown in prison and sought to execute them. Paul thought, sometimes you think, man, that person needs to get out of the express lane with their 13 items. Paul thought, I'm going to kill people who disagree with me. That was his response to people who who had a different viewpoint of the gospel. He said, I'm going to kill them. And he took action. Whenever, remember when um, Stephen was stoned in, in the book of Acts, it says the first glimpse we get of Saul is holding the coats of the men who were throwing rocks and killing somebody else. He was doing a kind gesture for the people who were killing someone. Saul was not a good person, would even tell you on the scale of sinners, I'm a 10. But look what he says in verse 16. But for that very reason, because I'm the worst, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Paul's saying, I'm the worst person. 
And because I'm the worst person, that makes me the best person to tell you about the grace of Jesus. If you are sitting here today and thinking, I'm not good enough to be a Christian, you're actually the most prepared to, to give out, to, I'm sorry, to convey the message of Jesus. You're the most qualified to, to convey the message of grace. Because you know, I needed salvation. I needed redemption. I needed forgiveness. The worst Christians... The worst Christians are the ones who can't really put their thumb on how exactly they needed to be forgiven. They're the worst. I've been one of those. I can tell you, we're the worst. The Christians who don't really understand what God did for them. Because they can't really put their finger on how exactly they need to be forgiven. We're not doing any good. Paul says, I'm the worst sinner and God showed me mercy so that everyone could look to me and say, if they could show that guy mercy, if God could redeem that guy, he can redeem me. If God can forgive that guy, show grace on that guy, then he can show grace on me. Next slide. Actually, yeah, there we go. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, He's, Paul, again, is talking about um, some difficulty that he has just in life. Scholars have debated what this is. He calls it the thorn in the flesh. Uh, they have not come to a consensus. Um, it, it, it's gone from everywhere to he had, a, he had a hitch in his step. He was balding. He was persecuted. Um, his past was of... He felt guilty from his past of persecuting Christians. Um, he had migraines. He had poor eyesight. Um, uh, migraines caused by poor eyesight, and he had a heart problem. So there's all sorts, that, that's, that's what it could be. Who cares? All right? Therefore, he said, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But here's what God said. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in Weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, sometimes in the church, we get so caught up in the fact that we need God's grace that we feel guilty, so guilty that we're not going to get it. This is what's weird about the Church of Christ. And listen, I grew up in the Church of Christ, and I'm going to talk about the Church of Christ for just a second. It's all I know. Um, you may come up to me, we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds here today. You may come up to me and say, it's the same way where I grew up, it's the same way in the Baptist, the same way Methodist, the same way um, in all these different congregations. But here's what Church of Christ wrestle with. It seems like we are more confident in other people's damnation than we are in our own salvation. Does that strike a chord with you people? That's how I felt growing up. I felt that my, I felt for sure that I knew who was going to hell. But I wasn't all that sure I was going to heaven. That's a tough place to live. And I would argue it's flat heresy. 
It's a misunderstanding of what God has done, and it's just plumb wrong. God's grace is more powerful than your sin. Now, because we have this mentality of we've got to get it all together and have it all together and have it all right and be kind of perfect, we come to church and we, and we put on a front what uh, Mark Hall, a singer and songwriter, calls a stained glass masquerade. We come to church and we put on these masks and we pretend to be something that we're not. But when we pretend to be better than we are, we pretend that Jesus is worse than he is. When we pretend to be better than we are, we make Jesus less. When we lift ourselves up, we pull Jesus down. But Paul says, I want to work the opposite way. I want to tell you about my past. I want to tell you that I'm the worst sinner. I want to tell you that I don't have it all together and that I've got thorns in my flesh and I, I, I have trouble with, um, with my confidence. He says, so I don't get conceited. I want, to, I want to let you know about what I'm wrestling with so that, not that so that you can have a pity party for me, so that you can glorify God for how good He is. Because when I am weak, then God is strong. It's like when a coach takes a group of five meatheads and does something fantastic with them, we always say, wow, that coach worked a miracle. You know, any, any coach can grab Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and, I don't know, Steve Kerr, and win championships. It's the one, and that, that is a complete overstatement and not even true. But sometimes coaches take a little and make it into a lot. That's always, that's always more impressive. And they take what they have to work with and work with it. And God, God is working with not very much. And when we pretend to be more than we are, we are saying, well, God, really, God's doing a little, but I'm doing a little too. This, so, Church of Christ, we need to flip the script. We need to, one, stop being so certain about other people's condemnation. That's not a good look. And number two, we need to be so certain that God's grace can cover all of my sins on, the, on all of the scale that when God says, I am saved, I believe I am saved. When God says I'm forgiven, I believe I'm forgiven. When God says I'm redeemed, I believe that I'm redeemed. And nothing, nothing can change that unless I just say, God, forget you and I leave. But when I was growing up, it was, it, we started, I started thinking, well, what if, what if, what if I die with, with some unrepented sin? Here, I'm going to help you with that one. You will do that. That's going to happen. It's not if you're going to die with some sin you haven't really talked out in your head. 
And from my experience, as we get older, our filters sort of leave. And so some things that you, would, you wouldn't say when you were, you know, 30 years ago, you're just, they're just falling out of your mouth now. Maybe that's not true. I'm really nervous about that, guys. I'm going to have to quit preaching if that happen. Anyway, the, you're going to die with sin in your life. You're just going to. You're going to die without having said, oh, God, please forgive me of this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. You're going to, it's just going to happen. God's grace can cover that. We get caught up. We get so caught up in thinking that, well, I was saved and now I sort of have to um, keep it. No. What Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did for you is he saved you, he is saving you, and he will save you. It's not about some tightrope he set up for me now and at least he set it up for me and now I've got to walk it. He saved you, He is saving you, and He will save you. Your forgiveness, your gra- the grace God gives you is certain. Paul believed that the grace he received from God was a fact, not a hope. He says, in, let's skip over to Romans 1. He says, I am obligated. He's saying, I want to come to you guys. And he says, I am obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you. Which is actually not a very nice thing to say. If you think about it, I'm, I'm obligated to smart people and dumb people. So I, that's why I'm here preaching to you. <laughs> that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. If you are so caught up in keeping the status quo and keeping make make sure we appear to have it all together. You're putting the gospel to shame. Because the gospel works in people who who do not have it all together. The gospel works in people who can't do it on their own. Who couldn't do it for all, all for themselves. And if we're trying to put out the image that we can do it for ourselves. If we can take care of, we can somehow keep our sins under a three. Then God will let us in. Grace takes care of our sins one through ten. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that I needed help. I'm not ashamed that someone had to do it for me. It's just the facts. It's just true. And Paul says, I'm coming to you guys because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Next slide. We have this, we have this tendency to be so afraid. Let's lose that reputation. Once heard a man um, say, uh, he works in hospice. And he was saying that the church of Christ, people, the people he deals with in the church of Christ, are the most terrified on their deathbeds. 
said, bar none. Um, that's uh, not a good reputation to have. Then he went on to say, and he was saying that's a bad thing. We shouldn't do that. He went on to say that this one woman was just terrified. She said, I just don't know if I've done enough. And he said he took her to Matthew 25. And he said, see here, he lets in people who fed, who fed the poor, who visited the sick, who clothed people. He said, have you ever fed anybody? And then she said, yes, I've fed tons of people. And he said, have you ever, have you ever visited the sick? Yes, I've visited tons of the sick. And he said, well, have you ever, have you ever um, clo- given clothes to somebody in need? And she said, yes. He said, see, look. And I thought that, and I didn't say this to him because I was young, and when you're young, people don't really take you the best way all the time when you disagree with them. But I thought, that was a horrible way to go about it. Because what if she had never taken food to anyone? He didn't know her. Have you ever taken food to anyone? Well, no. What about giving clothes? No, I kept all my clothes. Oh, well, then I guess you are. <laughs> he, was, he was still working on an action-based scale. He was still saying, here's what you... See, here you can, you can earn it. No, here, here's, here's the correct response to someone on their deathbed who's saying, I don't think I did enough. You get in real close and you, you grab them by their shoulders and you kiss them on the forehead and say, you didn't. You didn't do enough. But Jesus did. We've got to live with that confidence. That confidence is actually not going to puff up our chests, but it's going to make us more vulnerable. We're going to be willing to tell people, yeah, man, I, I struggle in this way. I'm this sort of sinner. Let me tell you about my nine sin. What about my three sin? Let me tell you about those sins that, I, that I'm ashamed of. Because while I may be ashamed of myself, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God, not the power of me. Not the, my, not the power of me to understand the Bible, not my power to somehow earn my salvation, not my power to somehow get everything in Scripture right and have the right doctrine all the time. The power of God is to redeem me, this broken, dumb, foolish, arrogant, sinful person. That's grace. It's a gift and it's a fact. It has saved you. It is saving you and it will save you. You can be sure of that. If you haven't, lived with that sort of confidence. Either you committed to Jesus and you just haven't really, like, you haven't felt it. You feel like, well, I'm still a sinner and I'm, st- I'm, I'm, troubling, I'm having trouble keeping up the charade. Stop keeping up the charade. But if, you are, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, it's something that you will never regret and it's something you will never be ashamed of and it is a powerful act. Nothing, not of your doing but of God's. 
If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.